The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like the myth of the perfect breakup, feeling like it's either mm -hmm. or, and trying to break patterns with old flames. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. We don't have any degrees or training in relationship therapy, but we do right. have lots of experience giving people advice. So <laughs> which would you prefer? At this point, we are four <laughs> and a half years in. Uh, so we are like unprofessional professionals at this point. Yeah, we like added it um, up. And I think I think we've read over 6,000 letters. And we've answered yep. like received and read over 6,000 letters. Yes. And maybe answered a thousand. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. That's wild y'all. <laughs> anyway. So we are not trained in this. We are not professionals, um, you know, in that sort of accredited way. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love. For this week's check-in topic, uh, we're just going to do some administrative um, housekeeping stuff. We've been doing these really fun 
what we call just break up office hours where we zoom with our patrons who support us at $10 a month or in at an annual subscription of any level. And those zooms just look like me and Sam shooting the shit and then answering questions live with you all. Mm -hmm. Like, how would you describe those um, office hours, Sam? Oh, it's super fun. It's like very intimate. Um, And it's really cool because it's not just a conversation where you're sort of like listening to me and Sierra talk, but there's like chat happening. Um, Folks come off mute and ask their questions. Um, It's like much more interactive and it's just a great opportunity to like uh, connect with us and also like connect with some pretty awesome people who are also fans of the podcast and are also like really smart. Very <laughs> like, smart. Like very insightful. <laughs> like sometimes I'm like when people like put stuff in the chat and, and like in answer to people's questions, I'm like, why do we even host this podcast? These people like know so much. They're so good at this. <laughs> um, so it's just a great, yeah. it feels like a little, like a little community that we're sort of building um, in addition to all of the other com- communities that y'all are building with each other. Yeah. And so every month we do this um, Zoom once a month. And this month we thought like as a little special thank you to our patrons and as something, you know, special for the holiday season, we are going to open it up to all of our patrons. So you can come and Zoom with us um, at any Patreon level. And again, you can, you know, for $5 a month, you get every bonus episode we've ever made. You get access to that whole back catalog immediately and you get access to this um, just break up um, office hours, New Year office hour party sort of thing. Um, and you can cancel anytime. I always want to say that about Patreon is that like you can subscribe to support us at any time um, you feel like you want to like give us a tip or buy us a coffee. This month, we're going to do this New Year's just break up office hours party on Thursday, December 29th um, before the New Year's stuff starts kicking off um, at 8 p.m. Eastern. You can join us at patreon.com slash just break up pod. Again, these office hours, it's a Zoom with Sam and I and other community members. You can participate as anonymously as you want. Like mm-hmm. if you're feeling a little anxious about Zooming with us, you can have camera off, volume off. You can also have camera on and no, you know, no talking. A lot of people show up. They're in their PJs hanging out in bed yes. with their cats, yep. you know. Ooh, lots of cat um, content for and sure. <laughs> it's very charming. You know, uh, last month, somebody was like wrapping their presents while they were listening to us. It's very cute. Um, so we want to just do a little community party to ring in the new year together. So again, if you want to participate in that, you can go to patreon.com slash just break up pod. We will send out a zoom link that will be posted about 30 minutes before that um, happens. So we hope to see you there. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Housekeeping out of the way. Let's get into our letters. Okay, let's do it. Our first letter comes from Hurting and Ashamed, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from The Depth. And a content warning for this letter, there is conversation around pregnancy loss. Hi, friends. I've got pickles out the wazoo. Ready? I've been married to a good guy for quite a while. Let's call him Gray. When we met, he was the anomaly in my shit magnet algorithm. I was only 21 when we were married. I made myself small in order to be good enough for him and waited for the other shoe to drop for years. No shoe. We have been through some rough times. We lost two pregnancies that we very much wanted. I was alone for the worst of the two, and it was awful. He won't talk about it, so that grief has been largely ignored for years now. I've had several deaths on my side of the family, 
the most significant being my grandmother who raised me. She was my heart and soul. Watching her go the way she did was traumatic and continues to break my heart every day. Problems with Grace started here. He had just started a new job and wouldn't take time off to be with me for the funeral. She loved him dearly, and I still had a good deal of resentment over the fact that he couldn't be bothered to be there for her, for me. It had been six months since I had last seen him. This is while I was in Afghanistan. I was able to get home from halfway across the world over a few few difficult days, every moment filled with worry that I couldn't make it in time. Another seven months later, I was back home dealing with post-deployment brain and finally had to face what I'd been through. I felt as though I was drowning in grief over my grandmother. This is when he first started yelling. Things like, nothing is ever good enough for you, or you're incapable of being happy. You can only hear these things so many times before you start to believe them to be true. I shut down completely when he gets angry and I don't fight for myself the way that I deserve to. My mental health took a deep dive from there. He takes it personally. He gets angry when I try to talk to him about it. This feeds the cycle. I want to scream, it's not about you. Cut to a few years ago, I met a man through work. Despite trying to fight the undeniable spark, we became fast friends and from there, lovers. Let's call this one golden. He saw me, he heard me, he was the most empathetic, compassionate, intelligent, and beautiful man I've ever known. He set me on fire, made me feel alive. I've never felt passion like I felt with him. The emotional, intellectual, and physical connection with him feels like a dream to this day. Can I just say, if every human could experience this kind of sex, the world would be a better place? Ultimately, the anxiety, guilt, and shame of what I was doing got the better of me and I left Golden. I didn't have the courage to burn everything to the ground in order to be with him. I was a coward. I broke my own heart and infinitely worse, I broke his. Gray is now pressuring me to start IVF. I no longer want children. I had started the IVF process after Afghanistan and Gray didn't go to appointments, etc. So I gave up. I initiated the adoption process and thousands of dollars in, Gray decided that he wanted, quote, his own kid. This killed me. Now that he's decided it's what he wants, he's being aggressive with the IVF timeline. I tried to tell him that I'm not sure I want kids anymore after everything, and he shuts down. I'm overly attuned and sensitive to his emotions, so I shut down in turn, and the conversation never resumed. I'm in my 30s, and I think that out of self-preservation, I finally convinced myself that I genuinely do not want children. I both go to school and work full-time. I stay tired. Most selfishly, a child would mean a definitive and forever end to a chance of being with Golden someday. So the problem. I want Golden with my whole goddamn heart, my entire being. I am so heavy every day. I bury it with alcohol and prescription drugs. My head feels as though it will split in two and I'm bone weary from warring with myself. It's been almost two years since I called things off with him, and I'm haunted every single day by the ghost of that love. If nobody else was involved, in-laws, mutual friends, etc., I feel like I could leave. But I'm paralyzed with fear at the prospect of hurting Gray's family, and ironically, of hurting Gray despite what my actions say. I don't know how to do this. Gray is a good man, aside from the negative aspects I've shared. He makes me laugh. He's bread and honey, enough to provide sustenance. But once you've experienced spiced wine to warm you heart and soul, how do you go back? He doesn't see me. He wants the small me that stays in the neatly packaged box, happy to be the quiet trailing spouse. How do I leave a good marriage for the perfect man, my undeniable soulmate? It would seem like a bomb dropped from nowhere for Gray. How do I move on with gratitude for a fine marriage and try like hell to forget the complete and other sunshine I once bathed in? I can't make the decision and it's too much. Living like this isn't sustainable. Thank you both truly. I appreciate your dear hearts. 
All right, my darling, thank you so much for listening and for trusting us with this letter. Um, I can hear the, you know, the hidden agony that you're carrying around with your um, in your heart every day. And I'm sorry that you have to you feel like you have to carry that by yourself. Um, I know how hard it is to want to be living a different life. Mm. I think that's what's happening here. Right. Like mm-hmm. really mourning. Um, the way your life has unfolded and wishing it to be different and really having this like symbol, the symbol of how it could be different, this getaway car. And you know exactly how fast that car drives, how it feels to sit in the driver's seat. And like, that's all a metaphor for sex with golden, apparently. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) (laughs) You know, to have that as an example for like an alternative life path, it's really easy to let our our grief and our sadness and our fantasies take hold and be like, that is, that is the way out of this. And I say this all um, to say that I don't distrust your love for Golden and the purity and, and realness of your feelings for him. But I, from my perspective, not in that emotional driver's seat. Like I don't care about golden in this situation. What Mm -hmm. I care about is somebody who feels so desperately unhappy in their current life situation, but are unable to prioritize their happiness in a way to make actual change. Like that is concerning. That is grief filled for me. And it's relatable. So many people, myself included, have lived lies to behoove other people's happiness over our own. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not it like, I just don't care about golden in this scenario because golden isn't what is at stake here. Mm-hmm. What's at stake is you, <laughs> your wellness, your relationship to yourself, your relationship to your boundaries and your happiness and how you prioritize those things, those things as you move throughout the world. Um, I don't, you say that you are haunted by this relationship, but I think you are haunted by the shadow of what authenticity could actually feel like. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, cause you describe your relationship with gray as being bread and honey. You describe it as being sustenance, but it doesn't seem very sustainable, right? It doesn't seem like it's, right. it's filling you up in a way that can be, um, that can help you know, preserve you, um, you know, because of all of the reasons that you talked about, um, you know, he wasn't there for you during these hard traumas and doesn't want to talk about it. He wants you to have children and you're not ready for it. And you're not sure that you want to, right. There's a whole lot of stuff here that, um, isn't working super well. And, and I think that golden probably maybe, um, illuminated that stuff for you, right? Like maybe sort of the ability to see things outside of your current experience, maybe it showed you that this thing isn't sustainable, but like Sierra said, there's, we're not choosing between two things here, right? We're not choosing between a perfect life with golden and a drab life with gray. What we're choosing is to say, how is this relationship functioning for me? And what do I need to do to make sure that, that I'm getting what I need out of my life and out of my connection with my partner. And it doesn't sound like that's what you're getting with your current husband. And again, nice people, kind people, funny people can be people who don't treat us well, right? Can be people who are we, who we are incompatible with. And it sucks to have to break the heart of somebody who feels like they, um, 
they're like a good person at at their core, but what has making yourself small gotten you so far, right? It sounds like something that that is painful for you, something that's not really sustaining you. Yeah, your smallness isn't serving you and it's not serving your husband because your husband thinks he's in a relationship with somebody that he's not in a relationship with. You know, like he, Mm -hmm. you are not letting your husband know you Mm. and you deserve to be known and he deserves to know you, period, you know? He hasn't shown himself to be somebody who wants to know you deeply either, right? Like, I don't want to put this all on you because I don't want to use, use, to use this as a weapon against yourself. But, you know, when you've tried to be vulnerable, when you've tried to tell him the truth about you, he doesn't seem to want to hear it too. So it's not just you withholding, but it's also like he seems incapable of being able to receive the truth that you're telling him. Maybe because you've been sort of right. feeding him lies for a long time but also because he's not capable. It sounds like he doesn't want to hear the truth of your experience, the truth of your pain, the truth of your wants out of your life. Yeah, and let me add to that. And and another reason why Golden doesn't matter to me in this situation is that, okay, so maybe Golden made you feel seen and heard and validated in a way that Gray doesn't, but that is not what makes you validated and whole, right? right. E- e- that has to be a relationship with yourself that has to be how you are treating yourself, how you are prioritizing yourself, how you making space, how, how are you making space for your own growth and your own um, lessons and needs and desires? Uh, not in a selfish way, but like, you know, what I'm trying to say is if you leave this marriage and go get with golden and everything is better now, it's not going to be because golden brought all of this goodness to your life. It's going to be because you orchestrated it (laughs) because Mm. you are prioritizing um, vulnerability and connection and, and, you know, seeking happiness and and whatnot. Um, It has to, it has to start with a relationship to yourself. And I know that's like very cheesy, um, but it's also like, unfortunately true. (laughs) (laughs) It's very real though. I wanted to say, you talked about like your in-laws and, you know, not wanting to hurt your, your husband and hurt your in-laws and, you know, change, disrupt your life in that way. And that is so real. I don't, I think in the relationship health world and mental health world, we can kind of sometimes gloss over or glamorize the I mean, I just did it like five seconds ago. <laughs> the prioritization of happiness over reality and the the function of reality in our life. Like you have an established life with these people. And I just want to acknowledge how hard it is to untangle lives with people. That For is sure. hard. It prevents people from separating. It prevents people from breaking up. It prevents people from seeking other life paths because they have, they, they feel bound to one. Um, and also, so I want to acknowledge that. And also, I just want to say, like, people leave marriages all the time. Mm-hmm. People leave marriages all the time. You're not going to be doing anything catastrophically new or foreign to the world. It Will this hurt your husband? Yes. Um, will it change your relationships with the family members you have now? Mm-hmm. Yes. And also, I can hope that they see you as a human who is as emotionally rich, rich and complex as they are, and that divorce is, unfortunately, at times, a part of life. Um, because that's how I see the path. I, I, I think that you should 
Uh, I don't think you said your marriage is unsustainable. So when somebody says that to me, it's hard for me to be like, no, stay. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Understandable. Um, Yeah. uh, So I'm not trying to root for the, to the end of your marriage. That's not necessarily what I'm trying to say, but your marriage is also not going to get better if you aren't in it fully emotionally um, authentically it's it's unsustainable now because you don't want to be in it number one and mm-hmm. you also aren't in it and your husband's not in it the way you want him to be mm-hmm. and so the path is un- the path is leading to divorce no matter what you do <laughs> you know what I mean because sure. you're not showing up authentically he's not showing up in the way that you need so that's going to either lead to resentment or or bitterness or whatever, or complacency, or, or I don't know what the path is, or you're going to, or you're going to change and you're going to show up differently and ask and demand him to show up differently. And then maybe reassess what that relationship, what that, what the relationship's place is in your life. Does that all make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not saying like, just break up definitely, but it also sounds like she definitely wants to, and also that's the path regardless right now, yep. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because this unsustainable relationship will deteriorate regardless because it's unsustainable. The way that you're doing things now with or without kids, with or without in-laws, with or without, um, you know. An affair. Right. Then that's the way that it's going. And it's going to be, it's going to stay the same unless something changes and in order for it to change as a relationship, you're going to have to be more honest. Your husband's going to have to need to hear you differently, which it sounds like he's having trouble with. And you're going to have to make a commitment to try something different. Um, But having a kid is not the solution to that. And if you don't want to do that type of work or he's not willing to do it, then, then the thing that is going to happen is a breakup, whether that happens sort of like over the course of the next 10 years as things slowly deteriorate. Or if you say to yourself, I'm tired of being small and I'm tired of not being heard and I'm going to find something out there for me that's going to be more sustainable and I'm going to find a way to take up more space for myself in my relationships, not just with Golden, right? But in my relationships with the people, with other people in my life, my relationship with myself, right? It's going to take a different type of behavior and Golden's not going to fix that for you. A kid's not going to fix that for you, right? What it's going to take is it's going to take work on your behalf for yourself with the partnership with a, a therapist who specializes in trauma, specializes in folks who are coming back from war zones. Um, but it's not about the other people in your life, which it seems like you're really focused on right now. What do you want? What is what does being a whole person look and feel like for you? What does it look and feel like to not make yourself small? Not because somebody else in your life is telling you you don't have to be small, even though that's what Tierra and I are doing in this exact moment, but not because like... <laughs> Some love is making you feel big, but because you know for a fact that you don't have to be small for other people, right? Yes. And, and that's easier said than done, 100%. So is so is divorce. Easier said than done. It's really easy for yes. Sierra and I to sit here and, and say, do this, right? But I can't envision a world where things stay this way and you don't feel anything but small, right? 
that's the only option available to you in this moment, in the way the relationship is going right now. Absolutely. My darling, I hope that this helps. Um, Thank you so much for writing and trusting us. um, And we wish you the best of luck on this very tricky journey. Absolutely. Tricky, but rewarding. Yes. Thank you so much for writing. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karakul jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes to us from the one who got away, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from Europe. 
I'm writing from the aftermath of a fresh breakup where I was the one that got away. I was in a relationship and living together with a man and it all seemed fine. He was kind and always asked me how my day was. He showed interest in my interest, adored the way I looked um, both dressed up and chilled out. Especially the beginning of our time together was marked by in-depth conversations about love, life, politics, and sex. Even if we often disagreed, we were able to talk. We shared things and we loved spending time together. My family and friends loved him very much. They would always say things like, you've never looked happier and you two are amazing together. Such a cute couple. Underneath the surface, though, I wasn't very happy. As time passed, we had little to no sex and barely any intimacy, not because he didn't want to, to be fair, but because I pushed him away emotionally and physically, and we didn't know how to talk about it. My libido dropped to nothing, and I found myself increasingly getting annoyed at the little mannerisms I had always found charming. I also found myself less sexually attracted to him after his appearance changed. I think that's when I stopped saying things out loud to him that I really should have been telling him, like, I'm not sexually attracted to you as much as I was in the beginning. And I feel like we don't really talk the way we used to. And eventually, I'm not sure I want to be in this relationship anymore. Looking back, I see our communication was shit on both ends. He did try to talk more about our sex life from time to time, but I found myself unable to say more than just, I don't feel like having sex anymore and I can't really explain why. And he never knew what to ask or say after that. It was a half truth. I found his body less attractive and how in the cinnamon toast fuck do you tell that to a person without immediately bursting into flames of shame? Other than chats about intimacy, we didn't really have any conversations about our relationship in general and our needs and how we weren't doing very well. I didn't start them because on a subconscious level, I knew that the things I wanted to say would hurt him, taking for granted that not saying those things meant hurting him with silence. In turn, he didn't want to talk about any of it because he was extremely anxious that I would leave him if he raised any issues. In the end, a lot of things went unsaid for so long that I stopped feeling like this relationship and man were for me. I did eventually bring up my doubts and they were soon followed by the realization that I didn't feel enough to keep this relationship going and I wanted, needed to break up with him. He, on the contrary, kept asking, what is the problem then? We'll fix it. But that felt like such a monumental question to me. It felt as though I was standing next to a demolished building and he was insisting on calling the firemen to put the fire out that he saw. Throughout our conversations, he kept saying how much he loved me and how I had been the best thing that had ever happened to him and how we could get through this rough patch. It was just heartbreaking because as much as I have loved him, I could not say any of those things back. The long and the short of it was he loved me with his whole heart and I loved him with only my fingertip. Sam and Sierra, I don't know if I'm looking for concrete answers or just a handful of your often well-structured, nuanced thoughts. How do you mourn a relationship as well as the communicative, constructive person you thought you were? How do you look back on having handled a relationship in such a mediocre way. I thought I was mature, open, and communicative, but instead I was uncooperative, quiet, and I let all of this fester inside me. I acted exactly like my previous ex-boyfriend who dumped me without warning and whose sudden departure left me reeling, empty, and sobbing myself to sleep for months a couple of years ago. All of those things my ex did that I screamed myself hoarse about, all of the problems he sum summarized in our breakup but did not bring up to me once, all of the efforts I wanted to put in 
to saving what we had when he didn't want that and all of the distance that he had kept from me. And now the problem is me. I thought at 25, I would be better at relationships, but instead I just feel worse at them. What if this is just how I am in relationships? Any advice for somebody in their 20s struggling not to feel like the bad guy? Much love the one that got away because boy, did she run. All right. Well, first of all, if we are predestined to be the person in relationships that we are at 25 forever, I am very sorry to my wife. <laughs> it's that too late. You married true. me. Very true. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, what are your first thoughts, Sam? I'll just say that breakups are hard. Um, and being the one to do the breaking up um, doesn't always make it easier. In fact, sometimes it can make it just as challenging or harder to have to do it. Um and the expectation that we have that we are somehow um, like record keepers of all of the different things and that we should always sit in perfect clarity of everything that's going on inside of us and outside of us in order to be able to fully and authentically always express our feelings in the way that they need to be expressed is not a realistic understanding of ourselves, right? It's not something that we can yeah. ask ourselves to do. And I know that like in hindsight, looking back on the way that the relationship sort of fell apart feels like a very clear, linear understanding of of it and uh, my guess is is that when you were in it it didn't feel that clear or that linear right the idea that that you could somehow you were somehow should have paid more attention or known yourself better or whatever it is and had this perfectly enlightened way of knowing when exactly the right threshold was for you to break up with this person is not possible it's not. And this is me speaking as somebody who has 10 more years of, of dating experience in, in my life, right? Of relationship experience as somebody who is older than you. It it doesn't get any easier. It doesn't get any more clear, right? Do I think that you could have had more communication with him? Absolutely. Do I think that he could have had more communication with you? For sure. And I don't think that that means that either of you failed in the relationship. I think that there is something there that prevented you from communicating in a way that would have been helpful. But I don't think perfect communication would have spared his feelings, right? I don't think you being absolutely yes. articulate about all of the your reservations, all of the things that you were experiencing would have made this hurt less. He loved you. And I know that you loved him too. And it's hard no matter what, when somebody we love says, I can't be with you. Even if we, even if they told us three months ago that there were things that were happening in the relationship that weren't working for them, right? It still hurts. It still sucks. There's no, there's no easy or good way to manage a breakup that doesn't involve hurting people. Yes, I totally agree. And I want to say too, you know, Sam and I, Sam and I want to have a discussion about like, do you tell your significant other um, or whoever in your life, do you tell them the absolute truth when you know that that truth will crush them? I think that it's hard, even though all we talk about is like nuance and living in the gray area and letting everybody have their different realities. Like it's hard to move through life trying to uphold authenticity, personal boundaries, you know, personal liberation and to strike a balance between being authentic and true to yourself 
and being selectively honest, you know, (laughs) like it's hard. It's, I feel in your letter, a lot of anxiety about you not telling him specifically why you were having intimacy issues and you, you know, you tell us it's because your attraction for him changed. Um, and you seem to regret not telling him or like withholding some sort of answer. And I, I think I, Sam, I think agrees with me, but this is obviously different per situation, but I think in general, there's a way for us to live authentically and honestly while also like maintaining our humanity and our compassion for other people's. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think you did the right decision. Like you you might have been able to communicate a little bit more directly or effectively or more often, you know, um, but I don't think that you, I think it would have been unnecessarily cruel to say, I'm no longer attracted to you. If anybody out there is, if anybody out is out there and is like, oh fuck, I said that exact thing <laughs> to my ex or whatever. <laughs> guess what? I, this is just one opinion, and every situation is different. And I'm sure you had reasons for saying that. And and I think personal, you know, our responsibility to our own experiences and our feelings. We often feel an obligation to vocalize our experiences in order to justify why we're making hard decisions. You know, I'm leaving you because I'm no longer attracted to you. You know, like we, it's understandable why you, why you feel like you should have been a little more honest. I think Sam and I just wanted to say like, it's okay to not tell the whole truth to not irrevocably damage someone. For sure. Absolutely. I know that that's like a hard line to draw. Um, but in this instant, in this instance, like Sam said, could you have been more communicative? Could you have been more direct? Could you have made more space for your own truth? Yes. And I think you could have done all of that with while still maintaining um, some emotional safety for your partner that sure. you love or loved at some point. Absolutely. And I think that this is an opportunity for you to practice some... Um, self-reflection, some, some self-awareness too around, you know, we think about attraction as being immutable or that something is, it, it's not, it's not shaped by our culture. It's not shaped by harmful narratives or, or whatever, but so much of attraction is about the things that we've learned about who's attractive and who's not attractive, which are tied to, um, you know, tied to fat shaming, tied to, you know, Western white preferences, right? All of that stuff that's coming up for us. So it's an opportunity to, to really do some reflection of like, wow, why did I find this suddenly find this person unattractive? What is, what about this way of processing or, or like categorizing people is serving me and serving the people that I love. And I also think it's an opportunity to practice some self-reflection around your own expectations of other people and their ability to tell you exactly why everything is happening or to be sort of, um, to be beholden to telling you the whole truth, all the truth, all the time, right? Thinking about this relationship with your former ex who broke up with you out of the blue and and told, you know, didn't tell you why until he was breaking up with you or had these lists of things that weren't going well. And thinking about like, 
now that I've been in a similar place, like what sort of compassion can I have for myself and for this ex around why this behavior happened, right? And and dismantle right. maybe some of the narratives that you might have around like who's a good guy and who's a bad guy and and what are the good or right or best ways to handle relationships and instead sort of embrace the idea that all of this stuff is changeable. All of this stuff is context-based, all of this stuff is stuff that we can be continuing to work on rather than saying, I'm either succeeding at this or I'm failing at this. My partners are either succeeding at this or they're failing at this and instead say, what does it look like for us to work on this together? What does it look like for us to find more compassion, more nuance, more complexity in the human experience of not knowing the fuck what we're doing most of the time? Absolutely. I love that because you know, we're, we're pointing out all these ways that we, in this perspective would, you know, maybe have done things differently. I mean, spoiler alert, I didn't do things differently. <laughs> I did things like way worse than you did at 25. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and, uh, we're also, we're musing about a lot of ideas in here, like, um, attraction and honesty and, and communication. Um, but this is, uh, life. This is relationships. I consider myself what you described yourself at the end, communicative, mature, constructive. I consider myself those things. And yet I still stumble with my relationship. I still stumble um, approaching conflict and um, being honest and being honest about the right things without oversharing or overburdening or having healthy boundaries like these this is going to be an ongoing thing, as Sam said. For sure. and, and one more point about attraction that Sam um, to, to continue what Sam was saying, um, you're not a bad person for not finding someone attractive anymore. And also your partner's appearance will always change. Your partner's body, like your body, mm. is destined to change, to, um, to sag, to break, to bend, to um, alter in some way whatsoever. And I think part of approaching partnerships, especially if you are looking for a more long-term relationship is making space for inevitable change in a relationship. What does that mean? Yeah. If your partner's appearance is guaranteed to change. Guaranteed. Your partner's appearance <laughs> is guaranteed to change period. And, and, um, Again, it's not that you are a bad person for having your attraction to that person change w alongside their appearance. And also that may be unavoidable in the future again. So what does mm -hmm. that, what will that look like? How will you do things differently next time? And like one more spoiler alert, like you might not, it takes, it takes a lot of time. It took a lot of mistakes for me to say that I'm proud of who I am in my marriage, right? Mm. It took a lot of trial and error and actual people that I was hurting. I actually mm -hmm. feel like a dick for saying trial and error, but like these are real people that I hurt and who hurt me. Um, sure. And also that is life and that was unavoidable. Absolutely. Cause we learn, we learn through this shit, right? It's not, yeah. we, we learn from trying things out and seeing how they go. Um, and that's true in relationships. That's true in the way that relationships end. It's true in the way that relationships start. And all we can do is continue to, to move through the world with an understanding that we will always be learning. We will always be trying something. Yeah. And, and hopefully the hope is, is that we find things that work well for us 
And also we have to be prepared for when the things that are working for well for us need to change. Yeah, absolutely. All right, my darling. I hope that this helps so much. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right. Our next letter comes from A, whose pronouns are he, him, who's writing from Complicated Town. Content warning for mention of self-harm, suicidal ideation, depression, eating disorders, and the loss of a loved one. A writes, after writing this whole letter, I now realize that this is a lot. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Thank you for your warmth and guidance. You always manage to make me laugh and feel accompanied even on the worst nights. I'm in a weird, deep situationship. Long story short, I had a monogamous relationship with Jay, she, her for five years. Most of it was great, but we ended up breaking up since we tried opening up the relationship and we couldn't make it work. Jay has a lot of issues communicating and I wanted to meet other people without dealing with the nuances of the existing relationship. Added to that, she deals with depression and anxiety and was a factor in our that also affected our dynamic. She often made jokes about unliving herself and commented on how she would do this. I understand that this doesn't necessarily mean that she was going to act on it. Still, the thought haunted me to the point of worrying for her safety and thinking the worst when she took some hours to reply to a text message. I also struggle with depression and trauma, but fortunately could go to therapy for many years, which helped gave me a lot of tools. I suggested her starting therapy and insisted that she needs professional help, but she couldn't manage to maintain it. We broke up on good terms and took some distance for a few months. Then we reached out and kept a friendship for almost two years up to the present. In these two years, some major things happened. Her mom died very suddenly and I got very close to her for support. It was so intense. I needed to be there for her. This caused us to rebound in a romantic way. Soon, I distanced myself romantically and kept the friendship because it was very hard for me. Having her pre-existing depression, now it was added to the grief that she was dealing with. This showed up as she ate a lot and then vomited very often. In me, this triggered a lot of worry for her health. This became unhealthy for me since it took a lot of energy, even if it was unconsciously. The fixation on her replying to text messages had reappeared. I suggested therapy again, but again, Jay couldn't maintain it. In spite of it all, we maintained a close, non-romantic relationship, meeting almost every week. The thing is that recently, almost a year after, fuck cycles, we had a similar relapse. She commented on her romantic attraction. I gave it some weeks of thinking and decided to act on it. We had a clear conversation about maintaining a polydynamic. I convinced myself I wasn't going to fall into the same patterns of worrying and trying to heal her. And guess what? We had a nice week and quickly I found myself going to old patterns in spite of feeling so much grown. There was an episode that broke me, seeing her eating compulsively and then vomiting in front of me. I had convinced myself that she would be feeling or dealing with this better by now. I know she doesn't do it to hurt me, but it's painful to see her struggle and not find a way to help her heal. I rationally understand that this is not my job to do and she will heal at her own time if she wants, but I still can't help but worry compulsively. For me, this situation got very draining very fast again. I communicated this internal struggle with her, clarified that it's not her fault, but I don't know how to move on with the relationship. I'm trying to prioritize my healing, being mindful of where my energy is going. This being said, I love her. She is smart, funny, loving, and patient. It's the person that was there for me all along. Even when our romantic relationship ended, it transformed. I'm also attracted to her romantically, but can choose not to act on it. 
I keep thinking of a future together, but at the same time, I feel brokenhearted because I keep falling into these patterns that prevent me from enjoying this relationship healthily. I did therapy for 10 years now, and now I'm on a break since my therapist suggested that I didn't need to keep the treatment. Woohoo. And also still working on shit on my own. It gets complicated. I feel I need to distance myself, and I did that. Still, it breaks my heart thinking of not even maintaining a friendship with her. It's as if I can't conceive of my life without her. I'm terrified, and this only makes it worse to make a decision that I owe her. For one part, I keep thinking that just breaking up for good will be the only healthy option. I really don't want to, though. I love this person and enjoy the time with her, but I've seen the patterns I've fallen into are deep and hard to move out from. It could be possible for us to find a way to keep a relationship, even if distant and clear boundaries with less frequently, etc. And that way I could keep an important person in my life. Or is this going to limit my possibilities of finding new relationships from possibly keeping my hopes up with the potential of this relationship? Any words of advice would be appreciated. Just rereading it with the compassion that you would have for me is helpful. Thank you for the space. Love, A. Aw, A, thank you so much for writing. I love the idea of you writing this out with compassion for yourself. Um, that makes me very happy. And I'm sorry that you are in such a pickle. Um, this, this... I was just going to say elongated pickle, but that is the wrong message. <laughs> yes, an elongated pickle, I'm my favorite. I'm trying to favorite. say like the cyclical pickle. The, the cyclical, cyclical pickle, pickle. I like nice. it. Yeah. It's a nice rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So there's a lot going on in this letter, but I mostly just like want to focus on, you know, relationship cycles and how they trick us into thinking that there is this predestined path for this relationship to unfold on, you know, that, that because it is, it has this well-worn path, as you often say, Sam, that that is the only road we can travel down and how those cycles like show up and stick around. I also want to talk about trying to heal other people. Mm. And I want to talk about codependency because this relationship is codependent. Yeah. I know that that, I don't know if that's shocking or, you know, totally accurate to you. I don't know if that's a word that you use, um, especially because this relationship has taken many different forms. Like you said, like it has evolved from the first romantic relationship into a friendship, back into a romantic one, back, you know, into a support system. Um, but every iteration of that relationship to me as an outsider has seemed codependent because whatever predisposed dynamics that you are carrying from one relationship um, life into another are dynamics that are not allowing you to evolve into something new. Mm. You know, you are, I feel like, um, you keep saying like, I, I can see a future with this person hypothetically. I'm not sure how they fit in my life. That path, how they fit in your life is, is by forging, um, a new cycle. It's by, it's by forging a new way by breaking the cycle, actually no cycle anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's really hard to love someone and also know that the the patterns that you're in aren't working for either of you, right? Because, and I want to make that really clear yeah. here too, that the patterns aren't working for you definitely. And they're definitely not working for her either because this sort of way that you two are 
working or like living and being with each other is asking you to overextend yourself all the time and is asking her not to change these behaviors that are really harmful for her and for you. And, and that's what, that's what the sort of codependency often does to us is that it, it sort of creates this cycle of enabling slash how else would our relationship look like if I weren't the one taking care of you? Or what would our relationship look like if I suddenly didn't need to be taken care of anymore? How would we function? Because this right. is the, these are the roles that we've agreed to. These are the roles that we're most practiced in. And it sucks because in those types of situations, it's it doesn't mean that love's not there. It doesn't mean that the deep care and feeling that you all have for each other doesn't yes. exist. doesn't mean that you two aren't great friends to each other in lots of different ways. But it does mean that these patterns of behavior are so worn in that it needs a massive shock to the system to be able to hope for anything that's going to be different. And part of that shock yeah. needs to not just be you having better boundaries, but also is dependent on her seeking the help that she needs to find a way yes, to not, that's not you. Yeah. To not sort of draw on you to be able to, to enable or like sustain this behavior that is clearly not working for either of you. And I wish yeah. that I had an answer that you could say, here's the six things to flip the switch on this relationship and suddenly make it different than it is. But that's not the way that life works. Um, it's it's hard to be in these relationships because it's so hard to break out of these habits and patterns that are that that we've established for ourselves in them. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I hope to relieve you of, I, I feel you searching for just like a different, better way to support her. Um and we, you know, even if you made all of the right choices, even if you, you know, picked out the therapist for her and got her to go and drove her there and paid her co-pays and paid her insurance. And um, even if you were the most supportive, perfect friend or partner, we still cannot heal other people for them. Yep. We still cannot walk that lonesome valley for them. They got to walk it by themselves. Mm -hmm. And um, and I hope that even just articulating that helps you put a little space between you and the pain, the real pain and empathy you feel for her and her mental health journey. Mm. Um, it, and and. It's also totally possible to love someone and know that you cannot be with them, shouldn't be with them, yep. are not meant to be together. And I'm starting to think that maybe this relationship is that, right? You have tried many iterations. You have tried many different ways. And if it was, it would have worked by now, right? Mm -hmm. So, So now we look at it and we think, what hasn't changed? Like we've changed a little, she's changed a little, life has changed, the structure of our relationship has changed. Maybe we should try putting some real space between us. Mm. Maybe we should try putting some real boundaries between us. Like, hey, you cannot harm yourself in front of me. We can't be in friendship or relationship together if you are not seeking mental health um, professional support, you know, what would those harder boundaries look like? Because if it was going to work the way that it's been going, it would have worked by now. Yeah. And, you know, we just, we see you trying so hard to help, you know, keep this person alive, keep this person healthy 
we know we see all of the the immense amount of work that that you are putting into this relationship to to keep it where it is um and it's okay for you to say that this is enough right this is enough time and energy that i put into this i've dug this well too deep and I need to find some other place mm. where I can find sustaining water for myself because this isn't it. And just a reminder, and we say this to, to lots of folks who are contemplating breakups with folks who they are, they love deeply. Remember that this is going to hurt. It is going to hurt to, to say no to this person who you love a lot, but the hurt doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. In fact, the hurt might mean that you are doing something right because instead of suffering a million little cuts every single day, you're choosing to make the big hurt happen so that you can finally get away from the thing that is causing you this harm to something that can sustain you and help you heal from the wounds that you've you've had inflicted and that you've inflicted on yourself through this relationship. So I... I don't take any pleasure in saying that the, I don't think that this relationship is sustainable yeah. for you because I feel and I read and I know the love that you have for this person. And I just need to say that I, it doesn't feel like this relationship is sustainable for you. And it doesn't seem like the things that you've tried to put some boundaries in to have a little bit of distance have have yielded the results that you need in order to find a way to healthily distance yourself emotionally from this person. So it seems like it needs a cleaner break. It seems like it needs a bigger break. It seems like there needs to be more distance for you to be able to get the perspective you need to find a way to pursue things that are going to be more sustainable for you and also more sustainable for her. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I totally agree. All right, my darling, all of my darlings, there were so many darlings in this letter. <laughs> I mean, in this episode, for sure. I feel for all of them. Yes. But specifically, A, thank you so much for writing um, in this instance. I mean, specifically, A, all of them. Okay. All Absolutely, right. Anyway. Yeah. No, I love that we we rarely actually tell people to just break up. And in this episode, we were there were like three letters and we were just like, just break up, like for all of them. <laughs> just break up. Leave them. You're good. You're cool. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, okay. <laughs> All right, my darlings, we love you all. Thank you so much for writing A, and we hope this helps. We love you. All right, everyone, this brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. This is when we try and set you up with something that we think that you're really going to like. This week, we want to send you home with... It is a documentary that's newly out on streaming services that is scored by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats, the producer of Just Break Up. It's called The Race to Alaska. Every year there's a race that starts in Washington and goes all the way up to Alaska. It's a 750-mile cold water race, and there's a cash prize. And the only rule, it can be like one person, it can be a crew of 25 people, however however you want to do it. The only rule is the vessel that you take on the boat can't have a motor. Mm. Um, so people go out in like a one person canoe and people go out in like um, a fancy yacht, fast yacht boat, whatever. Um, <laughs> fast yacht boat. Yep. And <laughs> I understand boating terms. Anyway, um, the documentary is beautiful and it is especially beautifully scored. This is Spencer's first um, full length movie score and he just fucking crushed it. Like so many moments of music in the 
um, documentary just made me want to cry. So um, I'm so proud of him. And we should all go uh, stream this movie. It's on Amazon. It's on like Google Play. Apple. Uh, it's on all the Apple. Yep. If you just Google Race to Alaska, um, you'll find the website and the documentary. And you should go watch it this weekend or this week. Um, yeah. Race to Alaska. Awesome. I can't wait to check it out. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, all the things at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise, holiday season, get those sweatshirts, t-shirts, keychains, affirmation notebooks for your friends and family. I will send them out to you as fast as I can. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Please remember to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star rating and review, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. And if you do it this month, you will also get to join us for our New Year's office hours, which will be on... December 29th at 8 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Nope, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Uh, For this month only, if you subscribe at any level, you'll get access to that. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out that documentary, Race to Alaska. And remember... You and your life are constantly being made new. You are not only allowed to change, you are guaranteed it, whether you want it or not. You are capable of it. You deserve change and growth. And that new scary pathway, that new journey, that new choice that you've never taken before is only new until it isn't anymore. Be brave. You deserve it. And if all else fails, just break up.